0: welcome, you are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His Kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's d-w-m-u-r-r-y dot com. Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast good evening thank you for calling uh joining us at zeal for your house on, on blog talk radio this is david murray i'm joined with uh dorothy Carruthers. dorothy how are you Oh, I'm doing okay. You and I have some praying to do afterwards. We'll do some praying together, Dorothy. Thank you, thank you. I you think bet. my my foot feels like it's the size of Texas. We're gonna we're gonna knock that out. We'll bang that out together after the broadcast. <clears throat> uh, so tonight, this is going to be interesting. We're going to be talking about uh, Dorothy. You've been on me to to talk about this stuff for I don't know two years. So we're finally getting around to it. We're going to be talking about uh, judgment. What is biblical judgment? What does it mean? Um, What what seems to be conflicting scriptures? We know that the Bible does not contradict itself. We just do not have the understanding, haven't apprehended the mind, will, and intention of the Lord Jesus Christ on any matter that seems to be contradictory. So uh, God isn't schizophrenic. It's that we are not walking in his mind or his wisdom as much as we need to so that things that seem to be conflicting no longer conflict. And we're going to be tackling one of those tonight on the subject of judgment and judging. Uh, There is a what appears to be a fine line. When we say there's a fine line, (laughs) there very seldom is a fine line in something. Uh, And the reason why is because our motive is either coming from love or it's not. So things may seem outwardly as if there's a fine line, but really there's a chasm in between us between walking in the love of God and walking in a demonic mindset. What's a demonic mindset? Anything that opposes the nature of God in thought, in action, in deed, in intention. The scriptures say, and this is going to be our introduction to judgment, and what is biblical judgment? What does the Bible talk about judges? How do we judge ourselves? How do we judge one another? What does all that mean? What about the judgments to come? Uh, We're going to get into that. We're going to take this in steps. Tonight we're going to be focusing on how to make a proper judgment. We are called to discern and understand and to thoroughly separate that which is of our Father's kingdom and that which is not. Before we can ever properly discern whether something is of God or not, we have to first allow God to deal with our pains and wounds. As I look back over my notes in the next couple of weeks, I'll be talking about some insights of what God is doing in 2018. I'm going to recap some of the things that I've shared in the last couple of years, and we will look where we're at in that timeline. We'll discuss some things that have been fulfilled, things that have taken place already, and the roadmap of where Father is continuing to take his church. Um, We're going to get into that. But before we can discuss any topic, we have to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to have permission to knock on the door of our heart as he is saying to the church in Revelation and to allow him to deal with our hurt and our pains. The confusion that's taking place in much of this hour within the body of Christ is because we are not allowing God to deal with our issues. And to the degree we do not allow the Lord Jesus Christ to come into every door of our heart, to the degree that we allow him in as our Savior, but then we do not allow him to deal with other areas that he wants to clean up and transform us and renew our mind and take every thought captive and see him as the day star dawning within our heart um, is the degree it will simply be impossible to understand what he's doing because the wisdom of God, the scriptures say, is foolishness to man. And if we are not walking by the mind of Christ, we are walking by the carnal-minded man, which Romans chapter 6 says opposes him. The carnal-minded man will never, ever agree with the mind of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says it's impossible to do that. So anytime that we are not allowing ourselves to walk in his love, in his nature, with his mindset, we usually can trace that back to an issue that we are dealing with or not allowing him to deal with us. And it starts with our belief system. So... Judgment, that's why judgment is so confusing this hour, because there's not a lot of teaching and talk on how to properly judge, because before we can judge, we have to look at the motives of our belief systems, the motives of our heart. And if we're not willing to look at uh, things that are difficult, we will turn to things that are easy to listen to, convenient, comfortable, exciting. We will talk about things to come because they allow us to not have to look at our own garbage, our own hurts and anger and fear and pain and disappointments, and so we turn to what Jesus said would take place in the end times, that the love of the church would grow cold, and that we would turn to doctrines that um, that will toss us about to and fro. until we are willing to look at the mind of Christ and where we come into alignment with, that we are completely loved by him, fully pleasing, absolutely complete. For those of you tuning in and new, I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures to look up. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Colossians 1.21, Ephesians 1.4, Hebrews 10.10, Ephesians 1.6, 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. These scriptures, just for starters, say we're righteous, blameless, holy, sanctified, and 100% of the time, 100% accepted in the eyes of our Father. Until we walk in that reality, until we are at least aware that that's our reality, how Father God sees us, And then we can begin the process of beginning to reject the lies that we are unworthy of love, that we are conditionally accepted, that we have conditional self-worth, that our value can go up and down. Until we're willing to look at those beliefs as lies and accept them as lies and accept that we are fully pleasing because of the gift of righteousness, we can never grow into maturity. And the body of Christ are all called, Ephesians 4.11, grow into the full statue of Jesus Christ. Every one of you that is listening are called to be an elder. Elder is not a title in God's kingdom. It is a place of spiritual maturity. And it's apprehended by our belief system. There's no special anointed people. God did not call up some of us to become anointed elders. That is garbage. Every one of you listening, are called to walk in the full stature of Jesus Christ. Every one of you have giftings, many of them dormant, that you are not even aware that exist. But you're called to act as elders to the next spiritual generation that are coming up. So let's begin. Um, There are different judgments that the Word of God talks about. That's something that we first have to understand. There are many judgments talked about in the Bible in the different ages that have taken place. Uh, there are judgments in the present age and there are judgments to come. The present age judgment was fulfilled in Christ. There is a judgment in the church age that judgment took place at the cross. There are judgments, in the future age to come, that will take place.
1: We are not
0: going to discuss those right now. I'm going to be talking about those. What I want us to hone in on is one principle that, I, that I'm going to repeat myself with. Every judgment, there's a God side and there's a man side. To every aspect of God's kingdom, there's a God side, there's a man side, because He created us for relationship and intimacy. Everything he declares affects us, and everything we do affects our walk with our Father God. Nothing exists in a vacuum. It could, but the scriptures say he did not create us for that. He created us for fellowship, for intimacy. Before we go on, let's talk about what uh, the word judgment is. The scriptures that I'm going to talk about, that talk about judging, is the Greek word krino. It means to properly separate. To distinguish, to decide, to come to a choice, to a, excuse me, a choice to separate. Okay, the scriptures that I'm going to be citing to you, where the word judgment is used, it's the Greek word krino, and it means to separate, to choose, to distinguish. Okay, the scriptures that we're going to use to gain understanding are. The the basic foundation ones are Matthew 7 and John 7. Matthew 7, 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, here's where the body of Christ has gotten tripped up. In John 7, 24, it says, Do not judge according to appearance, but make a righteous judgment. So Matthew seven, Jesus is saying, Don't you dare judge, or you're going to be judged. In John 7, he says. There's a way, a proper way to judge. We don't judge by appearance, but make a righteous judgment. Same Greek word used in those scriptures. So here's where we're going to start as a baseline, guys. There is a biblical, scriptural, godly kingdom way to judge. And what we judge are actions. I'm gonna be honing in a little bit to talk about when we judge or discern what's going on in the world, in in the lives of the lost, in the lives of the church, and above all, in our own walk. All judgment is meant to start with our own walk. The proper way to judge is to look at the actions. When we take these scriptures in context, In the New Covenant, we judge a thought, an item, a thing, or an action against the nature of God, okay? We are to look at something and judge the thoughts, the item, or the action against the nature of God. And where applicable, we separate that which is of God's nature which that is, a, is not of his nature. Judgment is supposed to begin in our own walk. Now, here's something that's caused us to trip up. If we don't understand the difference between positional and relational righteousness, we will never be able to properly separate and judge what's of God and what's not of God. I'll explain that. Colossians 1.21 and 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we were cleansed, we were made holy, we were sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is because we're made holy that we have salvation. Because we've been gifted with righteousness that we're able to go to heaven when we die. Can't have salvation without righteousness. Salvation is a byproduct of what Jesus gave us on the cross. Jesus gave us the gift of his righteousness. Vital to understand. It's 101 in understanding kingdom theology. We were gifted with righteousness when we received what he did on the cross for our behalf. Intaking our sins makes us righteous. Righteousness is what allows us to stand before a holy God that can't stand in the presence of sin. Okay? That is positional righteousness. That's how Father God always sees us he sees us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We don't gain or lose our righteousness and therefore gain or lose our salvation. That's where the false doctrine of last rites comes from in the, in the Catholic Church. If you stop to think about that, the born-again believers do the same thing, only we do it much more subtly. The priest would say, uh, the, the, the priest has to rush over to get someone last rites to take their sin before they die, because if they didn't make confession before they died, They've lost their righteousness. Now, we'll stop and we'll say, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. But we go around believing the same thing. We just don't make declarations about priests. We have a mental false theology about last rites. We do it in our conduct, in our action. We say, well, I I read my Bible today. I did well or I didn't outwardly sin. I didn't drink too much diet soda. I've lost 10 pounds this month. We look to all these outward things to justify ourselves, and we declare ourselves righteous in His eyes. Well, I'm one of the remnant, one of the holy ones, I've got all my outward ducks in a row. I'm spiritually set. I'm walking in righteousness. But if we lose that, if we stumble, we're afraid we have to get that right or we're going to lose our last rights before him. That false theology is rampant in our, in our, in our thinking, and it's, it's poison to our relationship with others, poisons our relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? It's just condemnation. We have to understand we're positionally righteous. Now, how we choose to live is relational righteousness or relational unrighteousness. This is the area where to judge. We don't condemn ourselves, and we certainly don't condemn others. We judge an action of whether or not that action is worthy of a child of God is it worthy of the high calling that we were called to in Jesus Christ? Is the action something that will hinder us? Is the action something that will draw us closer to Christ or move us away from the cross, move us away from hearing his voice, feeling the reality of his love in our spirit man, emanating his power and nature through us? Those are the questions we should be asking. It has nothing to do with the person. And again, for those of you who say, well, does that mean we could go on sinning? Zero interest in that conversation. It's a foolish conversation. Anyone who wants to talk about how much we can sin before we're losing our salvation is interested in seeing how much they can sin or is interested in judging other people by their own self-righteousness. I'm not interested in how much somebody can sin. I, I, I don't care. I'm not looking to see how much I can sin. I'm looking to figure out how can I see his eyes more clearly interact in his kingdom more openly, more intimately, how I can feel the reality of his love more intensely, and how I can give that to everyone around me. I want to look like Jesus. I'm far from it, but that's the desire of my heart. I want to walk as Jesus walked. So I'm not interested in, in the things that many of us tend to argue about. Well, how much can we sin? It's foolish discussion in my eyes. It's just not one that I'm, I'm interested in. That's, that's not where our hearts are at. We're, hard, we're looking to grow in intimacy, not to see how much we can get away with. At least this audience, I know that's true. Here is one way that we can look and understand, make it real simple when we judge an action. The purpose of judging sin is love. That is the Father's heart. I'm going to give you some scriptures to help you understand that, so, so let that sink in. 1 Corinthians 5, three. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if I am present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Let's stop. The context here is Paul is addressing, every epistle is a response to a question that took place in the body of Christ, fellowshipping in a region. vital to understand, every epistle is a letter in response to questions sent to Paul. We would get that line that up against the nature of Jesus Christ, it would clear up so much confusion in the body. Epistles are letters of response inspired by the Holy Spirit that are meant to illuminate the nature of the kingdom. Okay? In First Corinthians, there was fornication going on. There was fornication was going on in between married and uh, family members, and Paul is saying, "I pronounce, even though I'm not here, I've heard about this, I'm responding to you now from across... Uh, across the region, the Greek region, I pronounced judgment on this. Let's keep reading, guys. Scriptures and context are so important. Verse 5, which we very rarely finish. We just talk about I've already pronounced judgment. Well, look, even Paul pronounced judgment on the person. Let's keep reading. Verse 5 says, Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. The motive of corporate discipline was not anger and wrath. It was to make sure he does not backslide to the point where he forfeits his gift that was given to him. It was love. Love compelled Paul to say, guys, we have to take some desperate measures in this situation because we have to do everything we can to make sure this man Remains say that he does not become a reprobate. It was love. Example number two. First Corinthians eleven thirty one. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. A lot going on in this verse. What Paul is saying is. If we would judge ourselves, which we're told to do, judge ourselves, separate, examine our thoughts, examine our actions, examine our belief systems, right? So many times, guys, all we care about is our conduct. And Jesus openly, I don't want to say this again and again, but it needs to sink into the church. Jesus condemned the outward perfection of the Pharisees. God was always looking to get at the heart, and he is always looking to do that today. He's not interested in the outward actions unless it is a byproduct of a transformed life that comes from the inside of us. That's where it must start. If we would judge ourselves, Paul says, truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So we look at here, the word judgment and discipline are used synonymously. Judgment, or to separate, to discern, to divide the action was a form of discipline by the Lord so that we would not be condemned once again, so that we would not run the risk of backsliding so much that one day we wake up and say, I just, I don't believe any of this. I don't want anything to do with God. And for so many that are afraid, saying, well, how much can... You know, there's a genuine concern because of the nonsense that's been taught that we have to be afraid, you know, am I truly saved? Guys, if you've accepted Christ and you love him, you've received him. With a heartfelt confession, you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Anyone who wants to know that they are saved and has made that decision has not lost their salvation. God never takes salvation. We reject it. We reject it. You won't find any scripture where it says he takes the salvation away from someone's heart. Nowhere, nowhere in the new covenant will you find that. And I have have met many people that have outwardly confessed that they received Christ many years ago and and they want nothing to do with him now. I've met those people. That is a different story. That is not the same as us making mistakes. We are the righteousness of Christ. Stop allowing other people to condemn you with this fear-mongering about the judgments of God to come. Judgments are not meant to be feared. Paul says right here by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 11:31, 31, we're to judge ourselves so that we're not judged. Why would we fear the judgments of God? The judgments of God are meant to set us free. I welcome God's judgments. I ask him all the time, Lord, show me. Put your hand upon me. I remember when I first started doing that years ago and I, I was so much younger, I'd say, Lord, You know, I don't even trust myself. You just judge me. Just be gentle. And then one day the Lord said, you know what, David? You don't have to ask me to be gentle. My nature won't change whether or not you think it will or not. You can't change my nature. You don't need to ask me to be gentle. I am who I am. And I will do everything in love. That's scripture. What he spoke to me was just confirming his word. God is love. Everything, every discipline he does. The scriptures say that a person who does not discipline his child hates his child. But we look at judgment, again, going back to our motives. If it's not rooted in love, guys, we've got a major issue. We've got a major problem in our heart that's running contrary to the heart of Jesus Christ. He died and took the judgments upon us so that we would not be judged. His desire is for everyone to escape the judgments to come. But I don't want to get off track. We're talking about judging people, judging this hour. I'm not talking about God's judgments. We're talking about the man side of judgments, how we discern and separate and and divide actions, and what is the attitude of our heart. Attitude of our heart. Here's the litmus test, God. Biblical judgment is rooted in love, and restoration the motive the kingdom motive of God's judging is love the litmus test when we're looking at a person we're thinking about the loss thinking about this nation let's talk about the United States or ourselves and we say we're not judging them personally you know, we're not no, I'm not I I I'm holding that to a right, it's a righteous judgment. No, no, no. Even Jesus got angry. Well, until we're doing the things that Jesus did on the earth, we need to really be careful before we so easily throw around that we're judging the way Jesus did. If our life doesn't really reflect his nature, we can't be so confident that, that we're judging after his heart. Right? So we just we really need to be careful. But here's the litmus test. Do we ask God to show us what's motivating our heart? What's the root emotion that's coming up? Is it rooted in lies, anger, wrath, pain, a sense of being vindicated, right? Do we want to be vindicated? Do we see a sense of pleasure when we think about the judgments to come and believe we'll escape them and, yeah, but boy, those lost that that we were once and you were once, right? Those lost, they're just going to get what they deserve. No love in it. If it was up to us. Guys, we can make all sorts of excuses, right? I've heard us say, there the a time in my life when I said that. I'm not judging someone. It's not judgment. it's discernment. Right? It's just <laughs> spirit of discernment. Again, go back to the motive of the heart. If it's not grounded in love, if the motive of our heart toward wanting something to be judged and separated is because we love that person and we want to see them grow in intimacy, then our hearts are out of alignment. And, guys, here's what we're going to close up with. This is going to be short and to the point. Here are the dangers of unrighteously judging. Just, just to help because my heart is to point the body of Christ to greater intimacy, to unity. Maybe this will resonate for some of us. The dangers of an unrighteous judgment. Let's go to Revelation 12:10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Guys, When we do not see ourselves the way the Lord does, we will not judge based upon righteousness. Righteousness means to separate what's of his nature and what's not for the purpose of restoration, and that is to be motivated by love. Say that again. Judging by righteousness or making a righteous judgment is not based upon our conduct or how holy we think we are. Making a righteous judgment means I recognize this thing, this item, this action, this intention runs contrary to God's nature of holiness and love and purity and intimacy. And because of that, this thing, this action, this emotion, this belief Hinders myself or this other person from experiencing the love, the reconciliation, the intimacy with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the desire of our heart should be pounding with wanting to give that love and set that other person free. That is a righteous judgment. When we accuse people, when we accuse presidents, when we accuse the church, when we accuse fellowships, when we accuse people, and we'll know we're accusing them if the motive of our heart is not rooted in love and reconciliation. God is a holy God. He is an all-consuming fire. And that fire is love. And anything that violates the nature of love will be burned up in his presence. The holiness of God, the fire of the Lord, emanates from love. So please understand what I'm saying. Oh, God is love. That means we could sin. We simply have not been taught the nature of our Father and our Creator. Love is an all-consuming, burning holiness. So for those of us in the church that don't have love, we come under the refining hand of God's fire until all that remains is his nature. Love manifests in holiness. Judgments are meant to separate the things that prevent us from moving in love and holiness. That's as simple as it gets. When we do not judge from that part, from love and restoration, we join with the accuser of our brethren. It is a demonically inspired mindset. It is based upon demonic belief systems that say our work and our value go up and down based upon performance. It says there are standards we must live by to be accepted to accept ourselves, and to be considered holy. They're all lies. They're rooted in accusation, hurt, anger, shame, condemnation. Guys, all of this is satanic in origin. The, the body of Christ, much of the body of Christ, is living rooted in a satanic mindset, and we are just slinging accusations from one camp to the other, thinking we're in the camp that's holy. Litmus test, you turn to camp, that's holy. Uh, you're going to manifest love. Now, I'm not talking about loving sin. That's right. That's another one of those ridiculous statements, right? Extremes, no theological root behind them. Right? <laughs> we hate sin. We love God's creation. That's it. It's real simple. The Bible says when we were sinners, right, when we were steeped in sin, did not have the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus died to redeem us. We have to take that same mindset, and we just simply refuse to do it. The church refuses to take that mindset, and we will stand before the Lord one day for that. When he comes back, we will give an account. I had my word. I gave you my word. I sent you my messengers. Why did you refuse Then, from a demonic mindset that ran contrary to my heart and my nature? Why did you have no intention, no desire to redeem anyone? Why did you have no desire to change that thinking? Now, guys, there's not fear and condemnation. That The scriptures tell us that, that anything that's not of him will be burned up as worth hay, uh, hay and stubble, and that whatever remains that we did, that's of gold and fine uh, precious stones, will be kept. It doesn't mean heaven will be going to throw in hell. It just means we're going to suffer loss. The scriptures say, and is one escaping through fire, the refiner's fire. Better if we just do it now because we get to enjoy the gift of this life with our Lord now. And it blesses his heart. People say, oh, you, you want, David, don't you want the judgments to come? Don't you want Jesus to return? Yet, yeah, guys, every being, every part of my fiber wants to sit in his throne room without any effort. Sometimes it's work to, to press in and to abide in the spirit. Sometimes I get pressed in on all sides, and sometimes it's work and I get weary. I'm looking forward to the day where I'm just, I'm just in the kingdom of spirit, soul and body. I. But I, I don't want to leave this earth yet because there's work to do that's on Father's heart. And I want to bless his heart. And he wants the church to know what's on his heart. And so there's no condemnation in any of this, guys. This 2018, to give you a prelude, he is calling his church to his heart. Guys, when we judge unrighteously and we enter in agreement with the accuser of the brethren, we open up all sorts of demonic doorways into our souls. Galatians 6.8 says, he who sows to the flesh will reap death. He's talking to believers. He says, he who sows to the spirit will reap life eternal. You can't sow salvation, right? You cannot sow salvation. He's talking to born-again believers, and he's saying, if you sow to the demonic realm, you're going to reap death all over your life. Relationships, spouses, children, friendships, workplace." the body of Christ, the strangers, your neighbors, you will reap death. Yeah, no wonder why you're going to be begging for God to come back, because your life will be a mess. If you sow to God's kingdom and his nature and his beliefs about you and how much he loves you, you will sow the peace and the power of the kingdom, and that will manifest in your children, in their children's children's lives. In the lives of your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, the lost, the strangers. First Samuel fifteen twenty three says, "This is Samuel the prophet teaching, saying rebellion is as sin as witchcraft and iniquity." Guys, look that up. Look up witchcraft, rebellion, and the sin of witchcraft and iniquity. It's not pretty. When we do not walk by God's belief system, when we begin to engage in emotions willfully, the us to take every thought captive and be angry and sin not, right? Where we're angry and we sin not, guys, real simple. For those of you that are like, like, what does that mean? You're angry at sin. You don't sin by walking out of love. We hate sin because sin is destructive. We don't hate sin so that we can judge people. The judgment of this age, of the church age, was fulfilled on the cross. There are other judgments to come, but the judgment was taken at the cross and our place is to judge sin so that we enter into greater realms of intimacy and we can, by the Lord's leading, help others do the same. And the church really, really, really needs to take a heartfelt look at what is motivating our heart, because if we're not, if the motive of our heart is not love and restoration, we are engaged in witchcraft. And when we're engaged in witchcraft, it will sow death into relationships, into our belief systems, and into our physical bodies. Many, many, many a time when I'm when I'm praying and laying hands on somebody and, and they're asking for healing, uh, many times Lord shows me is they're in unforgiveness. And they're they're in agreement with the accuser of the brethren. It's, It's one of the, it is way up there in the list of open doors that lead to all types of sickness and destruction in people's lives. As we engage the demonic realm actively by our confession and more importantly by our heart, our belief system. So here's the summary, guys. Biblical judgments, we judge actions, not people. We judge the actions rooted in love and in restoration. Does the action reflect God's nature? And if it's not, it's sin. And the purpose of judging it is to bring greater restoration and greater intimacy with the Lord. That is a righteous judgment. There's peace and there's rest in it. Guys, with my calling, my place in the body of Christ, the hatred that I have towards sin, and when I see the sin that has the lost and bondage to you, the deception and the demons and the warpless and the lies, when the Lord takes me in journeys and I see the church and he speaks to me about the condition of the body of Christ and I see the, de- the deception, the lies, and the sin that has us ensnared, and I can't articulate to the rage that courses through my body, but it's not rage in any of you. And when he shows me sin in my own walk, it's not rage at myself. It's rage at something that dares to separate all of us from the love and intimacy of our Savior that died for us. So, guys, my prayer for all of us, myself included, we're all in this together is to begin examining our belief system. My website, dwmurray.com, I go into this in great detail, the righteousness of Christ, how to take thought captives, who we truly are as his children. I have sections that just have scriptures, just wash your mind in scriptures and scriptures. We need to begin doing this. It's what God is doing in this season. Guys, the Lord Jesus Christ is not coming back in 2018. If he does and I'm wrong, you can tell me I'm wrong. And and, and I'll be the well, yeah, sure we are. I was wrong. Guys, there's more work to do. There's more work to do. Since I came on the air at 15, I've been very open and transparent in sharing what Father wants to do at each point of the season. And we'll recap some of those things in the next month or so. Because in order for us to understand where we're going, we have to look at where we came from. Um, a pet peeve of mine is when, when You know we say all sorts of different things And then they're just forgotten Swept under the rug And there's no accountability There's no explanation There's no understanding Things are always shifting in the spirit um, But then it comes to a point Where things are just silly Right We need to call a state a state, Right The 2018 Is a calling to himself 2016 and 17 Was a call to separation It wasn't a separation of the world. It was a separation of our belief systems. It was a refining of what we choose to believe about ourselves. It was a calling away in our belief systems. 2018 is a season where he's calling the church now to come into intimacy. Some of us have catching up to do. Some of us need to really get into gear and really begin to take our thoughts captive and start moving in the mind of Christ. Because the times are going to become more and more confusing for those that do not walk by the wisdom of the mind of Christ. And that starts by knowing your identity. Starts by knowing what it means to be the redeemed. And that your self-worth can never go up and down. Problem with... with, So anyway, let's pray. And for those of you that this resonated with you can just, where you are, just uh, just join me in, in your own words or repeat after me or whatever you want to do. Let's corporately. You know, one of the scripture verses, I love is, You know, how can two walk on the same path unless they are agreed? But also it says, come, let us reason together, the Lord said, you know, to his children. And so it's on my heart for the body of Christ, for, for anyone that, I can reach that so the farthest that this broadcast and my blog and book that I wrote for the body of Christ will take it the guru will take it is come let us go before the throne of the Lord together the plowshares that that will be beaten out of the swords that in the days to come have to start in our heart we have to first Take the swords of anger and bitterness and judgment, self-centeredness. And we have to beat those things into plowshares first, we have to get our mind right with the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that is a, a light to our feet. And Father, my prayer for the body of Christ and this generation is for the day star of your love to shine within our hearts. That your love and your truth would rise within our hearts and our thinking and that we would grab a hold of the truths of who we are as your children. The things that we've begun to turn to to numb us from our pains, that we would repent of that, that the body of Christ will repent of running from our pain, will repent of agreeing with the accuser of the brethren about ourselves and about this nation, about the loss that you died for. Lord, this nation is divided up into two groups, church and the lost, Father, give us your heart toward both. Bless the body of Christ, Lord God. And I ask for a revelation of your love to just shine upon their heart, Lord God. Even as the church shines within my heart, Lord. Bless them with a revelation of your love for them. want I ask that all the areas that have such a poor reflection of your image to give me a revelation that I need in that area to walk in greater union with you, that I would reflect your image with more power, with more love. Pray every sickness in the name of Jesus. Command you come in contact, Holy Spirit. Release the power, the healing power of the Kingdom Lord, Lords, and the King of Kings. Speak health. There's a person dealing with influence right now that they haven't been able to shake, and I speak in Jesus' name, healing upon that person. Their lungs open up right now. Thank you for easy breathing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I speak to chronic headaches, and I speak the light and the healing power of God to those headaches, command them to stop and cease. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the root of those headaches, that stress that has rooted upon them. I introduce you, Lord Jesus, to that root pain. I thank you for your healing balm beginning to minister to them. Thank you for a season of healing taking place. Father, I thank you that you are such a good God. Bless your church, your children. Thank you for your unconditional acceptance and love, Lord. this hour when we need that revelation most, that we will make righteous judgments and live in love and a desire for restoration. Lord, we're quick to repent. We're quick to make the adjustment without excuses, knowing that we're loved and accepted. Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, thank you guys for joining us again. We're getting the meeting in a couple of weeks. I think we're going to move on to uh, what's going on, what's taking place in 2018. And uh, that's going to be kind of short and to the point where it takes a, a, a little bit of a look at in the past and see how we've tracked against some of the things that I've shared that Father was doing, some of the things that have come to pass and where the nation's at, and how we use imperfect vessels to carry out the desires of his heart before his return. But, Dorothy, uh, thank you, as always, for allowing me to come on here and to just serve the body. It's an honor. <clears throat> so, Dorothy, you have a good night. And uh, is there anything you wanted to add, Dorothy? I'm sorry, I was going to cut you off. Uh, no, just that been very concerned about the body's misunderstanding of the judgments and how they think of a father as being this, big old guy with a big beard and a big whip just waiting to catch him in it, you know? So I'm glad you started yeah. addressing that. Yeah. Well, we've been taught, uh, we've been taught. Uh, we just haven't been taught properly, you know? Um, we haven't been taught properly. And the time is coming when when there's going to be a those that will teach and true shepherds that will teach that we're not going to be focused on signs. We're going to be focused on intimacy. And, um, that's coming. That's part of what's coming in this season. And so we'll talk more about that. And we're going to talk guys about you know, the judgments to come, the different judgments that take place. The Bible talks about judgment. There's all different types of judgments, guys. And that's worth looking into because that'll clean up some other confusion too. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different judgments. The Bible talks about in past ages and the ages to come. We just talked about the present age and, um, that's really the most important because that's where we're that's where we're living, most of us anyway. So uh, I'm making fun of myself on that one, guys. So anyway, God bless I'm living you in the Thank I'm so living all. back in the old days myself. I don't like this present age, so I'm going to live in the past. <laughs> well, I I understand Dorothy. I understand. Uh, crack myself off. All right. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful night. Dorothy, I'm going to reach out to you as soon as we get off the air, and I will speak to you guys, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful night. And I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurray.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your Heavenly Dad loves you deeply.